For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back to the Jeff Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined as always by my man Mike Luciano. Mike, today has been a wild day in Jetsland. It's not even March yet, and we have had, I, I would say, maybe the busiest day of the entire offseason so far. Uh, from from the, all the Michael Hardman stuff to potential accusations of leaking a playbook to the report card to Lake and Tomlinson getting released. It has been a crazy few days. We're gonna break it all down. Talk to me. How are you feeling, Mike? Well, uh, that's how I'm feeling. Like, it's just, I, I want to come in and talk all about the offseason and how to change things and improvements that could be made in football stuff. And we got to sit here and do, like, gossip and drama. And this guy said this on a podcast. Here we are. But, again, Miko Hartman will shut his freaking yapper no matter what happens. It's... I, I we, we're going to dive into this because I got a lot to say. Very few of it uh, positive because Miko just went ahead and kind of went scorched earth on a team and did not. I'll get into this more, but the lack of accountability and introspectiveness in this man is is shocking. It's it's really <laughs> shocking. That's how you really feel, Mike. <laughs> it, well, we'll get into it. It just uh, oh boy. So we're. As always, you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. That's where we are. YouTube and TikTok at the Jet Press for both of them. Uh, it's this is this is a tough one because Nicole Hardman went on a podcast. Thought it was going to be pretty yeah. anonymous. When I, Ryan Clark's the the Pivot podcast. That's the name of it. So credit to Ryan Clark for this. Right. I'm like, oh, this is going to be this is going to be freaking harmless. And then he comes out and just reads the Jets, the riot act. Uh, we'll, I'll kind of give you like a chronological kind of bullet by bullet uh, what he said, because he did touch on a lot, uh, especially about the Jets uh, in this interview. Uh, the first thing that th- this immediately, this disqualified immediately everything else. The other seconds, he actually made some valid points about the Jets and their culture and, and all that. Immediately, he was asked to return punts against Kansas City. He refused because he claimed he was misled by special teams coach Brant Boyer, who, by the way, everybody loves. Weird guy to have a beef with Brant Boyer. If you pissed him off, you've really done – something's going amiss if that's (laughs) happened. Uh, And then Hardman said he was dealing with his own hyperextended pinky. It made it tough to catch, but he said it wasn't really communicated well. Then he said, I'm not catching for that man. This is at a point in week four when he had done nothing. Uh, all year long. Uh, he admitted he was checked out and possibly tampered because he admitted two weeks before he got traded that he was talking to Mahomes and Brett Veach, the GM of the Kansas City Chiefs, saying, come get me, which is illegal. You can't do that. And uh, he's uh, the one thing I'll give him is he did say he was misled about his role. He thought he was going to have an expanded role. That was the Jets' own words. He barely played. All right, fine. There you go, Miko Hardman. He was also pissed about the lack of accountability, uh, specifically with Nathaniel Hackett, but I guess tangentially with Robert Sala too, since this is his operation. Uh, He goes out and he says that there's no offensive coaching staff and no standard there because once Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, it's just like, we'll figure it out. It's Aaron's show. Let Aaron do what Aaron does. And then he gets hurt, complete chaos on fire, that gif of community where – 
Donald Glover comes back in with the pizza and just everything's on fire. Like that's, that's what he said the offense was. That's the best then, episode. In the as we continue to chronologue this beef here, to use the internet lingo, Thomas Morstead, uh Jets Twitter favorite, great yep, punter, friend of, friend of the show, multiple times, says kind of downloads exactly what I was saying and kind of puts it out there going. Uh, be careful about getting information from disgruntled former employees getting beat out by a rookie free agent after being guaranteed millions of dollars is tough to deal with. That's, of course, Xavier Gibson, who was getting time over Hardman. Entitlement is a killer of an entitlement is a killer of opportunity. Excuse me. You have to earn it every year. Hardman, of course, then responds because this dude just ever, can't freaking keep his mouth shut no matter what. And Hardman basically says, I love you, OG, but that's not really what happened. I'm not really disgruntled which is something that you definitely say after you've done three podcast interviews in two weeks, almost exclusively talking about how you don't like the Jets instead of winning the Super Bowl with the Chiefs. So he won and got what he wanted. And he's still pissed. So you got anything uh, to say about that, Justin? I do. So, uh, look, I try to look at both sides of everything with this stuff, right? And I know that's going to make some Jets man, Jets fans mad because I'm not going to come on here and be like, Miko Harbin sucks. He's the worst person ever. I might, so get yeah. ready for that later. Oh, I know. I, I I heard you talking about it before the show, and I'm like, this is going to be great. Um, I understand where Miko Harbin is coming from in his with, with what he's saying. Uh, I don't think he's handled it perfectly. I don't think he's handled it the, the best way possible. I will say, uh, to start in his defense, it's not like he's unprompted just bringing up the Jets. He's been specifically asked about what happened with the Jets, and then he answered what happened with the Jets. He was asked on Ryan Clark's podcast, hey, what the hell happened in New York? Why didn't it work out? What went down there? From his perspective, he explained what went down. Uh, it seems like he has major beef with Brent Boyer, with just Jet special teams coach Brent Boyer. Uh, seems to stem from uh, a situation in the summer where – Hardman, this is by his admission. So this is Hardman's account of it. This is his side of the story. Hardman uh, was struggling with catching punts in the summer because he had an injured finger. Uh, instead of Brent Boyer, you know, taking that into account or, or asking him about it, Hardman tried to tell him, but Boyer just chewed him out in front of the entire team. And that was that. Uh, Hardman was also felt that he was, he, Hardman also felt that he was misled. Uh, there were reports at the time when the Jets signed Miko Hardman that, that they promised him an expanded role. Of course, this is a player who had played over 50% of snaps the previous season on the defending Super Bowl champs. So an expanded role you figured would mean a pretty sizable role in the Jets offense. That doesn't mean he was guaranteed that that doesn't mean he was, he, you know, he, he had a right to that role, but that's what he was told when he signed. Obviously plans changed. Rogers going down already altered those plans, but bef- even before that happened, Xavier Gibson made waves in the summer and the Jets really liked Xavier Gibson. Brant Boyer seemed to really like Xavier Gibson, which is essentially what gave him the starting punt, re- punt return job over Miko Hardman. Hardman felt that, hey, he's coming from a winning organization. This is how they did things in Kansas City. This is how it worked there. And they won Super Bowls there. He's not happy that it was done differently with the Jets. And he feels that he was misled and mistreated, essentially. What's true I don't know, man. There's two sides to every story. I understand where Hardman's coming from. I think where he definitely messed up and probably should not have done what he did was when the Jets approached him ahead of the Chiefs game in week four. Xavier Gibson hurt his ankle on Wednesday uh, and was ruled out. I forget when they officially ruled him out, but he was not able to play in that game, I believe. Uh, and apparently, according to Michael Hardman, he would have liked that the Jets approached him earlier in the week and said, hey, you are going to be the punt returner this week because Gibson might not play just asking you, you know, or just telling you that this is the plan. Instead, Hardman was not happy that the Jets, or specifically Boyer, came to Hardman. He said he was already in pads on the field but right before the game. So moments before the game, they come out and tell him, hey, you're going to be a punt returner. He didn't like that. Uh, but instead of just, you know, going through with it, and I hate to use the word doing your job, right, but doing his job, instead of doing that. You know, the job they're paying you millions of dollars to do. Instead of doing that. of what the coaches think of you, like you're still on, like you still have a responsibility to at least like play. Yes. Not, way, I don't want to sound like some old boomer here. Like guys are getting too entitled and stuff like that. But like, call me crazy when you sign a guy and pay him money to play football. That's what you expect. Correct. I, I you're, you're absolutely correct. I, I completely agree. I have no, I have no issues with what you're saying. Um, he told Brent Boyer no. He said that he's not going to – specifically did not want to catch punts for him. 
Uh, he did not like Brant Boyer. He had major beef with Brant Boyer. Brant Boyer, of course, one of the most respected coaches in in on the Jets staff. He's survived three different regimes. That said, he's a notorious hothead. So I can see some people not meshing well with him. But ultimately, if everyone loving this coach, if he's well-respected and you have an issue with him, it's probably more on the player than it is the coach in that situation. Uh, so he says no. He says he's not going to return punts. Robert Sala tried to go over to him and convince him. By, by Hardman's admission, he had already checked out by that point. And that's when he said what he said about, hey, I, you know, I, I already talked with Pat. I already talked to Mahomes and, and Veach about going back to Kansas City. I was checked out. That's tampering, buddy. Like, that's that's tampering. So he later clarified, mind you, on Twitter, I think it was last night. Reed backtracked. Right, backtracked, clarified, whatever you want to say, that he didn't actually talk to Veach and Mahomes before he was traded and that the Jets handled things. That's the exact opposite of what he said on the podcast. You know that thing I'm on video saying? Yeah, didn't mean it. I meant yep. everything else, though. You know, everything else I meant. But this one particular thing, nah, that, that is, to get me in trouble. I didn't mean that. Exactly. And that's what he's trying to say there. Uh, what happened? I don't know. I understand from Hardman's perspective why he felt like he was misled and why someone who came from a winning organization, who you pointed out this out to me earlier today, Mike, too, he's used to winning. He came from a winning program at Georgia, won with the Chiefs. He is used to winning. Not that the Jets were losing per se when he was on them they were three and three but i don't think he particularly liked the way that the organization was run and specifically i think his comments about the offensive coaching staff are valid like i think those are completely valid and i have no issues with what he said there obviously it sucks that aaron Rodgers went down but it didn't take Miko hardman saying it for for anybody to know that the jets put their eggs in the the rogers basket and leaned on him too heavily and that once rogers went down there really wasn't an adult in the offensive coaching staff room and that is not shocking to me at all that is something that I have believed was true and that is that has already been out there. So Hardman saying that, that doesn't change anything to me. Uh, the Morstead stuff's crazy. I mean, shout out Thomas Morstead. I think today would be the funniest possible day for the Jets to re-sign Thomas Morstead, which they obviously should. Uh, that would be amazing if they were just like, yeah, we're extending Thomas Morstead today. It'd be, it'd be great. Um, but shout out to him. I did not think he would be the guy to speak up and essentially call out me, call Hardman, but he did. Um, before we get into any of the stuff with the potential – Playbook leaks. Mike, do you have anything else to say about Hardman in this situation? I have three things, and I'll let you choose the order of <laughs> okay. what they could be. They're the three A's. Are you ready for them? The that pissed A's. me off about Miko Hardman. Sure, triple A, not the, not the car thing. The arrogance, the accountability or lack thereof, and the apathy. Which one should I go into first? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, go arrogance. Arrogance feels like the meanest, so go arrogance. The arrogance of this man who basically, at Georgia, like his last two years, which is when he played, he lost five games. And then in the NFL with fivers with the Chiefs, he's gone Super Bowl, Super Bowl loss, AFC Championship overtime loss, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Encounters the most minor, not most minor of resistance, but for the first time in his career – Things aren't going perfectly. You don't have a loaded program. You don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback, Patrick. Mo- you have Aaron Rodgers, but you didn't because he's out. So you didn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback. The teams are struggling. They need you to step up, Michael Hardman, which is what the- you thought you would do when you left the Chiefs because that's why you left because they weren't going to pay you. So the Jets finally paid you, and then you just quit. You went, nah, man, I, I can't do it. it- my-, my pinky, it hurts so bad. I can't catch you. Can't catch a punt. It hurts. Dwayne Brown put his freaking arm in a sling and played left tackle at 38. Can't catch a punt with a bad finger. Come on. So the apathy, that pisses me off because 
whatever he may have said, everything he said could have been correct. Robert Sala could have been clueless. Nathaniel Hackett could have just been like that scene in Austin Powers when he gets the truck stuck in the hallway and he's just like backing up and going for like that could have been him for an entire the entire week of game prep. He could have been totally right about all that. The minute you say, I don't want to catch puns for the special teams, I just don't want to do my job that you're contracted to do, that you're you're in the wrong. You can't do that. Guys can do, it's one thing to do your job poorly, and it's one thing to do your job wrong, or maybe your coach wrong, or you're not good enough, but it's another thing to refuse to do your job. Like that's weak. It's one thing to try and fail, but to not try because your feelings are hurt pretty much. Like I, I I really have a problem with that. And then finally, the the lack of accountability. Because I look, I've I had people in my family like this. I know everybody knows people like this. If you just listen to Miko Hardman, you think like everybody's out to get him. Like all to everybody in the Jets, except for Aaron Rodgers, he liked. Like outside of that, everybody was conspiring to like piss him off and upset him. They promised you an expanded role and then had their number two receiver, Corey Davis, retired. You should have been immediately put in as the number three wide receiver. Now, was Randall Cobb put in ahead of him? Maybe that could have already, maybe you have some beef with that, but you know what? If you were really playing really well and really practicing really well, you don't think at some point with the offense being as bad as it was that Robert Sala, who's Mr. We got to get our best guys on the field all the time. You don't think he would have said, maybe make Hardman the wide receiver three. You know, maybe let's go with the guy we paid money for and has won a couple Super Bowls instead of an undrafted rookie out of Stephen F. Austin who has a very limited player profile and is not as fast as Miko Hardman, and that's what we want to be, a fast guy. You can't even be the fast guy. Like, like the fact there's no inward reflection, like, I get, maybe it's, again, going back to arrogance because he went back, he got what he wanted, and then he won the Super Bowl anyway. So he, he must just think he's amazing. But, like, on top of that, to think that you're – there's a difference between being great and having just a proximity to greatness. Like there's a difference between establishing a winning culture and just being in it. Like it, when you think of the chiefs dynasty, like what, how many players do you come back before you get to Miko Hardman? What is he like 20th on the list? Probably in terms of culture setting importance. Like the fact that he's this now apparently self-appointed authority on how to build a winning team when sometimes it's just as simple as half Patrick Mahomes or don't have Aaron Rodgers get hurt, that's the problem I have. That's one of the problems I have with Hardman. It's because like there's no like in his mind, everything is nothing's his fault. Nothing's his fault. I did everything right and I got screwed. You may have gotten screwed in some areas, but you gotta just say, you know what? I could have handled that better. If he came out after the Brant Boyer thing, he said, you know what? I was upset. I probably shouldn't have done that, but everything worked out for both sides nobody's mad at him. People probably supporting him because he's repping the coaching staff. Instead, he just said, he said it like, well, anybody would do it in that situation. No, no, that's not, that's not how things work. Me, Cole, since you're in year five or six in the league, apparently you don't know how things work. That's how things work. Well done. Well done. That was, uh, I commend you. That was a real, that was, that was one of the better rants we've had in a while. That was really good. It's uh, just because he, like, it, it, again, like, he thinks he just, like, shits gold and that he invented football. He may be a nice guy. Like, I don't think anybody said he's, like, a bad person. But, like, the fact the fact he can't admit he did anything wrong, that 0% of the failure with the Jets is his fault. Even if you're a Miko Harbin supporter, you have to at least admit that there's something he probably could have done better to earn playing time. Unless the staff is so stupid that he could have been playing at like a thousand yard level. And they just said, well, we're going to play Randall Cobb ahead of him. Unless they're that brain dead and just leaking gray matter out of their ears, which I don't think they are. You have to take some accountability. We sure about Nathaniel Hackett. Are we sure that he's not? I at least think Sala watching his offense do that again would be like, all right, maybe let's try him if something wasn't working. Hardman did add uh, that specifically he was talking about the offensive coaching staff. He said that there was no standard with the offensive coaching staff, but that the defense was a different story. So he didn't have anything bad to say about, about Robert Sala, at least that he vocalized. Uh, it sounded like he said that the defense was well run, that they had a standard, they were disciplined, but that the offense was a complete mess and disaster. Um, he did Hold also a second Jerry on Twitter. I'm so happy. MH Miko Arvin and Dion Dawkins teabagging the crap out of the jets. They're full of pretenders. Why are you watching this show? <laughs> Jerry's well, not seriously. 
It's it's a it's three o'clock on a Wednesday. Shouldn't you be at work? Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> man, Jerry, I'm not super high on the Jets at the moment either, so I'm not even going to push back too strongly. But I I just think it's fun. Like I think I think the Deion Dawkins stuff is fun. I thought we were going to talk about that until all the Hardman. Yeah, shit. I did too. I, I had some to things to say about Deion Dawkins too. Right. You're right now, the Dawkins stuff almost feels like a, a you know a relic of a few days ago. That's how the the, the Dawkins was. stuff at least feels just like regular like division rivals don't like yes. each other stuff. I agree. That's, that's the, a, yeah. The Dawkins stuff is fun to me. I, I have no issue with Deion Dawkins saying what he said, just like I have no issue with Michael Clemens provoking the Bills because it's division rivalry stuff. Let them have fun. I mean, I, I who cares, man? Uh, the Hardman thing, yeah, what was I saying about the, the standard? And then, oh, Hardman did also add that he was like, I fully understand like that Garrett Wilson is the guy you want to build the, build the offense around. But he implied and insinuated that uh, he thought he was better than every other wide receiver on the roster that was not Garrett Wilson, which – there's an argument to be made that's true. That's not a good thing. Uh, like, but there's an actual argument. I think Lazard should be better than Hardman, obviously. And, you know, I, Gibson, I don't know if Hardman would have done what Gibson did in his role, if he would have done more. But, yeah, I mean, ultimately, look, I, I am not – I don't have any ill will towards Mikael Hardman. I think that he, he sees it as – I don't think he sees it as necessarily he's, like, the best player in the world. I think he sees it as – he came from an organization that he believed was doing things the right way, was doing things the 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 way that produces results, that that wins games, right? Obviously, they won three Super Bowls now during his time there. So he comes from that organization to the Jets, sees them doing things differently, and his immediate thought is, oh, this is, you know, this is different. And, and as a result, it's worse because I know what it takes to win because of the organization I come from. You, is that right or wrong? You know what it takes to know. have Patrick Mahomes. That's what it takes to win. Sure, but I, I don't think that anyone's going to sit here and say that the Jets coaching staff has earned the same level of respect that the Chiefs coaching staff has. Not not talking Matt Nagy here, but talking Andy Reid. Like I, I think we can very clearly say, and obviously Andy Reid is it's been very much helped that he's had that he's had Patrick Mahomes. Absolutely, obviously, his entire career uh, in with the Chiefs after Alex Smith has been helped because he has Patrick Mahomes, but. I think that there's something to be said about what Hardman is saying about the lack of discipline with the Jets and specifically the offensive coaching staff. I think that is totally valid, and I get why he's upset. Uh, I agree with you. Yeah, do your job, man. Like, I hate to say it that way, but if you're told to do this and you are under contract in that, then do your job. Like, it's as simple as that. Um, but I, I don't have any issues. I don't have any issues with him ta- telling about or talking about this either because it's something, again, where he's specifically being asked. The entire podcast with Ryan Clark, he was not talking about the Jets. He mostly talked about the Chiefs. He mostly talked about himself. But when asked about the Jets, he's not someone like clearly he's not somebody. And this is I got this vibe. I, I was actually I was able to able to go to Kansas City a couple of days after the Super Bowl. And I, I talked to Miko Harmon briefly while we were down there. And the vibe I get from him is he's a very talkative and funny guy. He's always cracking jokes. He's always just he's a loud person. Right. And that's not a bad thing at all. Like Good for him, man. Be, be yourself. Uh, but he's not someone who's going to hold back, clearly. So if he's asked specifically, and in that podcast, he seemed very friendly with Ryan Clark. They're getting along. He felt comfortable sharing exactly what he thought went down with the Jets. I have no issue with a player doing that. Uh, of course, it's always important to remember that is one side of the story. That is Miko Hardman's perspective of what happened. That is not the full perspective. That is not the Jets' perspective. Clearly, that's not Thomas Morstead's perspective. And nor is it Sauce Gardner. I want to talk about the leaks really quick. Really quick. Here, One last thing before we move on to the whole – to to spy gate v2 here <laughs> uh, or whatever i guess you yeah, playbook gate uh why here's why harbin's pissed you may not say it directly here's why he's pissed he just tanked his value i don't care that he caught the game when he touched down in the super bowl it sounds silly but for, it's like a two-yard out route like that's not going the fact that he did that is not going to influence anybody on the open market and and here's what miko harbin is he left to prove that he was not a product of Patrick Mahomes. This year he proved he's probably a product of Patrick Mahomes because he left and couldn't get in the, the not the line, excuse me, he couldn't get any snaps, and then he had to go back to Kansas City to have a role. Now, who's going to pay him? Because the Jets were 3-3, three and three, correct me if I'm wrong, when he got traded. Yep, they were. 3-3, three and three. okay. He makes it seem like, A, they were like the 0-6 Panthers at the time, and just everything was leaking coolant and nobody had no idea what they're doing. Like he made it seem like hell on earth for his role at least. Now, if so if you're a team who's rebuilding, you're probably not going to sign Miko Hardman because you know he's very outspoken and he's probably going to go rip the coaching staff if they don't if they don't bend to his wishes in certain areas. And if you're a contender, he's just not good enough to make a difference. And the Chiefs might not even bring him back. 
because the Chiefs are going to add probably two receivers, maybe three. I don't think there's a role for Hardman right now, and I think he knows that. I I don't I don't know I don't think this is a scoop I don't know if this is a scoop whatever but Miko Hardman wants to resign with the Chiefs uh, he made that very clear at the event that was at he straight up told me to my face I want to resign with the Chiefs uh, he's like it's a business he doesn't know what's going to happen but if it was his decision he will resign with the Chiefs I don't think he's really concerned about what his market value is I think at this point and another quote that he specifically said was you know the grass isn't always greener on the other side I think he saw what it was like not playing with Patrick Mahomes not being on the Chiefs and he's like. I don't want to do that again. I want to just re-sign with the Chiefs. Uh, I do think he'll end up re-signing with the Chiefs in some capacity. I don't think it's going to be a huge – I don't think he's got a huge role with the team. They're probably going to add a wide receiver. They already let go of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, which we're not going to talk about probably now because we talked about it last week. But please, Joe Douglas, do not sign Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I beg you. Um, but I do I do think that they'll add some receivers. I think they'll ultimately bring Hardman back, wide receiver five, whatever he's going to be. Um, but he he wants to resign the Chiefs. I know that for a fact. Um, so I don't know if he's particularly concerned about his market value as much. But I don't know. One thing he should be concerned about, though, Mike, is this leak shit. Because this is why we talked for 20, 25 minutes about the Hardman stuff. But the leak stuff is insane. So for those who don't know, uh, who have been off Twitter or just not, you know, not seen. Aren't as turnally online as, as we are cursed to yeah, be. As you sh- as you should be. If you don't know about this, that's probably a good thing. You're not terminally online. And that's a good thing. Uh, Sauce Gardner. In the midst of all of this, you know, the back and forth between Hardman and Thomas Morstead, like right at the same time as that's going on, Sauce Gardner tweets out and deletes it a couple minutes later. A tweet that reads, we ain't going to talk about how our offensive game plan got leaked versus the Eagles, though. Uh, And, of course, the insinuation there and the implication, given the timing and the circumstances of this, is that that relates to Meikle Hardman. Now, I'd like to point out that Meikle Hardman was traded three days after the Jets beat the Eagles. Uh, Do what you want with that information. I'm just throwing that out there. Of course, Sauce tweeting that and then deleting it made many believe that, you know, and I'm not, I'm not going to put words in Sauce Gardner's mouth, but the way I interpret that is he's saying that Miko Hartman had something to do with the leaks because he's not going to just randomly tweet that out during while all of this is going on and have it be nothing to do with Miko Hartman. At least that's that's my take on it. And this is furthered by the fact that Jets tight end Kenny Yaboa, Kenny Yaboa getting involved on Twitter again. This is the second time, Mike, as you pointed out before the show or whatever, he previously said the thing about Izzy Abanaconda, called us out, whatever. That was weird. Uh, but he responded to someone on Twitter because he, he responded to the Morstead tweet. And then someone asked, hey, you know, how Kenny, Kenny, how you feel about me, Cole? Uh, and he responds, he's tripping out. He ain't talk about his own work ethic and how the Georgia Eagles got our game plan. Uh, the that, Georgia that's Eagles. What I'm, that's what I've been saying. Like the, at least the first part, we talk about his work ethic. Like, yeah, I'm sure he yeah. was just Jerry Rice running hills yep. for four hours every day in practice. Yeah, I, obviously, you know, it seems like there's the Jet, Jets players do not take what Hardman said kindly. They they're they're not happy with what he said. But the second part about it's what you're saying, too. That, the fact he went after him specifically, who everybody seems to love. I think who? that's what set everybody off. Who who would you say? I think yeah. Hardman going after Boyer specifically. Oh so yeah, 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 yeah. It seems like everybody yeah, loved that. You could say what you want about Hackett and the Jets, but like everybody seems to like sure. Boyer. That, that's why it's not a surprise that Morissette and Yaboa are the guys that speak up, two special yep. teams regulars. Uh, Yaboa, but the second part of what Yaboa is saying there, so the Georgia Eagles, that's a reference to the fact that the Eagles have a lot of Georgia players on their team, Nolan Smith, uh, Jalen Carter, Nicobe uh, uh, Dean. There's a ton of them there. That defense Keely is Ringo. Georgia players. Yep, Keely Ringo. The Of course, Michael Hardman is an alumni of Georgia. He went to Georgia. Even if he didn't cross paths with any of those guys while he was there, he likely still has connections to the, to the university, to the organization, to the school, whatever. And he probably talks to a lot of the, his fellow Georgia alumni. So Kenny Aboa is kind of doubling down on what Sauce Gardner said and implying that me, Cole Hardman, had something to do with the Jets' offensive game plan getting leaked ahead of the Eagles game, which they Sauce won. Sauce also just quoted the – he deleted it again, but he quoted the Kenny Aboa tweet with a gif of a guy like, eh? Like, kind who of did? like, who so. Sauce did, but he deleted it again. Sauce, Sauce is the king of deleting tweets. I, Sauce deletes 80% of his tweets. and I, It's really funny because uh, it doesn't go anywhere. Like People are going to screenshot, man. Just don't tweet it. Uh, that's really funny. I didn't see that he did that. But yeah, that is now multiple Jets players who today, I mean, what we do know, the facts of what we do know is that the Jets offensive game plan was apparently leaked ahead of their game against the Eagles. We didn't know that until today. 
that just got, I don't want to say reported, but it was outed by Sauce Gardner and Kenny Yaboa. And the implication from both of them is that former Jets wide receiver, Mecole Hardman, is behind those leaks. And all. And it just so happened that three days after that game, after they, the leaks, uh, the game plan got out, Hardman gets traded to the Chiefs. That's what we know. That's the facts we know. Just a normal day in the Jets offseason. You know, just, just a normal day, Mike. Me and Justin were talking about this before the show because I remember there was something where I think it was like Wake Forest and Kyle. Do you remember this when like the announcer was leaking the, the playbook to might have been Louisville? It was Ooh. one of them. I think it was like what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. I, I I was thinking back to that. I'm like, because I think there was like some litigation with there. I'm like, is this illegal? Like, is a playbook like intellectual property of the Jets, and then they gave it to somebody else unknowingly? Probably. I think it should be. I'm not a legal expert, but I feel like that would classify as that. I'm so curious. Like there's, I have so many questions. Like, was this a situation where Hardman actually had the entire, the entire playbook and just like placed it or like emailed it to him, like (laughs) emailed it to Nick Sirianni. Like, is that what happened here? Or did he just like tell a few of his, of his like, hope this email finds you well. Here's our place for week six. Here's Daniel Hackett's entire playbook. And then Nick Sirianni reads it and he's like, what the hell is this? I can't do anything with this is garbage. What is this? This is just a picture of a monkey peeling a banana. This isn't even a play. It's just like, it's just like photos of Aaron Rodgers, like modeling. Uh, just links to YouTube videos of like Rogers highlights. Yeah, that's that's their entire. <laughs> I can't even click on this. You printed it out. <laughs> so I really want to know like what what this is, right? I don't know if we're going to find any any info more or any more information. But I mean, maybe it's something as simple as Hardman was just texting his Georgia friends, like you know whether it was Jalen Carter or whoever, Nolan Smith. He was just texting them some stuff about it. I don't know, or if he actually leaked the entire offensive game plan to the Eagles. Uh, of course, I mean, the other connection there would be is that the Chiefs and Eagles have some ties together, I guess, with Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, whatever. Um, but it's probably more so the fact that Hardman just knows a lot of the guys on that Eagles defense. So I don't know. I don't know what happened. It's an insane situation. Uh, the Hardman stuff just keeps getting crazier. Like, if he obviously, if he leaked the game plan, fuck this guy. Like, straight up, fuck this guy. While uh, he's on the team. like Yeah, like, obviously. You know, he may have had to, like, guys could have got hurt. He may have had to, like, play that game yeah maybe <laughs> I, it, he would have screwed himself right so we i have no like i don't know if that's what happened i don't know if he actually leaked it but it certainly sounds like and i would say this is what's happening sauce gardner and kenny aboa are essentially accusing Michael hartman of leaking the playbook whether that happened i don't know but that's that's what's happening that's a pretty big accusation to make with no no proof like absolutely it, it, no it proof. is that's when that's what makes it insane dude so i Hardman. So either everybody's completely lying or there's something like there has to be something there. Maybe Hardman didn't maybe one of two things happened. Either Hardman leaked the game plan and they didn't use it, or the Eagles got the game plan somehow, but not with Hardman. Like, God, there I just want my journalism instincts are are kicking in. It's like I just want to know what happened. We're probably never gonna know what happened, but I'm, I'm going to reach out to Thomas Morrison and be like, hey, man, what's the, what's the deal with this playbook thing? What's going on with that? <laughs> you know anything? Uh, no, oh, but I, yeah, crazy situation. Really quick, I'll, I, I saw you answer this in the chat. I'll, I'll answer it here really quick because people are talking about this on Twitter a lot. Franco on YouTube said, what's your take on Salah not going to be at the Combine? Um, so he is actually going to be at the Combine. It was originally reported he was not. I don't know if he changed his mind or whatever, but he will be there, I believe, Saturday and Sunday. So he he will be at the Combine, even if he wasn't. I don't care. Like, I don't, I don't care. A lot Sean of coaches, McVay doesn't go. Kyle Shanahan doesn't go. Half the NFL's head coaches are not going to be at the combine this year, or at least they normally don't attend. Those coaches include Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, Mike Tomlin, Jim Harbaugh, um, or I'm sorry, John Harbaugh. Uh, and, and Harbaugh's there. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh's there, but I don't think John Harbaugh's no, there. No, John was, but. Oh, was still. he? Okay, well. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, but a lot of the top one coaches, extra coach. Woohoo. Sure. And a lot of the top coaches in the league and even some of the not top coaches in the league, guys like Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy is not going to be at the combine, at least by the last time I saw. Uh, and he's probably on the hot seat more than any coach this year, as are guys like not on the hot seat, but guys who are not going to be there. Newer coaches like Antonio Pierce, Gerard Mayo, uh, a lot of coaches, a lot of coaches don't go to the combine. It is definitely anybody who's been to the combine will tell you it is not what you think it is. It's kind of basically just a big business meeting where 
you just have a couple of guys running some drills in the background. Like that's basically what it is. It's more so making connections than actually evaluating prospects. The only important information you're really taking away as a coach from the combine is medical information. That is the most important thing. Which uh, again, solid and you need to be there for. Which so. you don't need to be there for. So that's why a lot of coaches in recent years have not been going. So I don't care if Salah goes. He is going to go on Saturday and Sunday. Cool. Joe Douglas is already there. Jet scouts are going to be there. That's that's fine, man. Uh, but yeah, if Salah wasn't going, I wouldn't care. Salah is going. I still don't care. Whatever. Uh, if we are going to talk about Salah and the coaching staff, another thing we can talk about before we get into, I think the the meat of the show. I was going to say we should talk about the the grades. Uh, and then we can get to the offensive line stuff afterwards. Um, but the meat of the show, we'll, we'll talk about like fixing the Jets off the line a little bit. Right now, let's talk about these NFLPA report cards that came out today. Because the NFLPA, I don't know how many years they've been doing this, but they've been doing this for a few years now where they release grades. It's essentially the players grade their own teams. Uh, and they grade them on a, a variety of different things from coaching staff to owner to team facilities to medical staff to nutrition to everything, Right. The Jets graded out very poorly, uh, as one might imagine. I believe their top thing was nutrition. I think they were ranked 10th in nutrition. They were 21st um, out of 32 teams in the league. 21st overall. Uh, some of the lowest ratings, I believe Robert Sala was 24th. He had a B grade, which isn't bad. Most coaches actually received pretty good grades. Although I will say that of the coaches who were fired this year, uh, or of the coaches who weren't fired this year, Sala was pretty much like <laughs> second to last or something. Like him, uh, Matt Eberflus. Uh, yeah. Who I thought Staley. was going to get fired. Brandon Staley had a B. Arthur Smith had a C plus. Daniels had a D, which was hilarious. Belichick was low as well, which that doesn't surprise me. Um, yeah. So the Jets coaching staff did not rank well. And specifically the biggest gripe that people have with the Jets coaching staff, or I should say players, was that only 72% of players thought that Robert Sala and the Jets coaching staff maximized their time or best utilized their time, uh, which ranked, I think, like 28th or 29th. Uh, other ratings that were low, I believe, were the training staff. That was low. Once again, should not be a surprise. Even the family's D minus. Like it was higher. Yeah. Numeri- it was higher numerically, but like grade wise, they got a D minus for the families. Yeah. There were some F minuses in there. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. I don't think there's any excuse for a team not not treating families well like that. The Chiefs being family. dead last in everything almost was stunning to me. That was also surprising. Yeah, here it is. So treatment of families was D minus. Food cafeteria was a C minus. That was twenty fifth. Training room was 27. Training staff was 29. This is one thing I don't get. How is food and cafeteria C minus and nutrition B plus? I don't know. Well, because I guess the nutritionist. Are they telling them not to eat the food? Is that why they're good? It's the nutritionist dietitian was B plus. That was 10th. But the food. So I guess the food in the facilities is bad, but the actual nutritionist and dietitians that they have are good. That's how I read. You will eat this nutritious slop. I swear it works. Well, it's basically like, don't eat the cafeteria food. We got you with our own shit. The cafeteria food sucks. That's how, that's how I read that. Uh, weight room was pretty bad. Strength coaches were bad. Ownership was uh, 20th. So not the worst, but not great. Yeah. So I, look, I hate Woody Johnson, but like, man, he tried this year, man. Like he, he, he tried. Yeah. And Marcus Rogers got hurt, but he tried. It was wild that the worst ranked owner was Clark Hunt of the of the Kansas City Chiefs, which I hate I hate saying his name. I don't want to say it again, but maybe we need a worse owner. Maybe that'll be the key. <laughs> I don't know. Man. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not surprised by any of these report card grades. I do believe that the Jets got worse overall from what they were last year in pretty much every category, which it shouldn't be a surprise. Like I'm not I'm not particularly I don't want to say I'm not particularly high on the current regime, but I definitely there are a lot of question marks out there about the current regime. So I think it's fair that people in the organization have question marks as well. Obviously, winning fixes everything. So if you're winning, your head coach is probably going to be seen in a higher light, in, in a better light, and you know is going to be ranked higher. Uh, I think that that was pretty consistent with the rankings that the team, the coaches of losing teams, they're ranked lower. The players are going to respect their coaches more if they're on winning teams and they're they're winning games. So. Yeah, Rob uh, Serafinowitz has a good point though. Grades for food included three meals are provided if they're free. Because I remember that the Bengals only did that on Wednesdays. The Bengals, the Bengals were, were like really bad in this as well. They're Bengals, okay. I think it was like the eight. The Bengals didn't have an indoor practice facility, and then they got shamed into it because the high school nearby them got one. They're like, <laughs> we're the we're the Bengals. Like we need one. Bengals ownership sucks. Like that is that is. But even going back, I mean, Paul yeah. Brown was a good owner. Mike Brown, the son, isn't. But like, yeah. even Paul was like super cheap. They've always been cheap. 
somebody pointed this out that um, a lot of the top owner rankings, almost every one of the top owner rankings was from an owner that purchased the team and not inherited it. Obviously, Woody Johnson purchased it. He was actually like, well, the commanders were, I guess that's still residual Snyder runoff. Yeah. yeah, That's from last. That's from last year. Essentially the commanders are still from that, but uh, Woody was like second worst or third worst amongst the like, purchased owners so majority of the ones that were inherited were the bottom ones which clark hunts you know other guys like that. Bidwell's in arizona they got really yep. bad ones yep yeah so but yeah i i don't know if you have anything to say about the report card stuff mike i'm not particularly surprised by it it, 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 it honestly it blends into a lot of stuff miko hartman was saying and others have said about the current state of the jets organization and the jets regime and the jets coaching staff it's not promising honestly it's better than i thought it would be like think about what a nightmare last year was the fact Robert Sala got a B, like in in that year, where if you didn't like watch the Jets, and you only consumed like like the way Jets were were being talked about, like national media wise, you would have thought that it was like beneath an F, what Robert Sala and what that locker room was like. Like you would have thought it was just hell on earth. I would. And be- I, I guess he held it together enough to. Like, th- like again, Rodgers is healthy. They win 11 games. You think he's probably in the A range? I probably do. You think he's a B? I don't. I'm, I'm very – I would be very interested to see what the split is in those grades between defensive players and offensive players because those defensive players will die for Robert Sala. Oh, they, they love will, him. They will go to war for Sala. I don't think any starter on that entire Jets defense or maybe any player is rating him below an A. So the fact that he's a B – Makes me think the offensive guys didn't particularly rate him that high. I wonder if Michael Hardman was asked about Robert Sala and what he would have put, um, or was like, what if he would have, what would he put about Brand Boyer? Um, but yeah, I would wonder. I would wonder what the split is there. Like, how does you know Alan Lazard feel about Robert Sala versus how does Quincy Williams feel about Robert Sala? I imagine their grades would be very different. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I'm not. I'm not particularly surprised, and I don't think there's any huge takeaways from this that I have that are anything new, per se. Not particularly. I just, it, it's just they're perfectly, they're almost the definition of mediocrity, almost. Like, there's something appealing well, in the Jets about coming like fourth or fifth in a mediocrity contest among other yeah. NFL teams. But I would say they're the definition of a below average regime right now. And I think that in pretty much every possible way. That doesn't mean they can't climb. Winning solves again, everything. It's a nice social experiment. Like, Aaron Rodgers wins three extra games, like the Atlanta game and the Raiders game and stuff like that. Probably the coaching staff is in the A's. Maybe yeah. even the food's higher because you're probably in a better mood. Maybe the travel's higher. Like, yeah, if, right. Aaron, if nothing else changes, the Hardman thing, the this, the that, if Aaron Rodgers plays and they win 10 games, even if they miss the playoffs, I guarantee you they're like maybe 15, 14, not 21. Probably. Like it's it's it'd be a fascinating like social experiment like like compare them last year and this year don't make any changes Woody Johnson to anything else just last year this year if they win more I guarantee everybody's feeling a little bit better yeah I mean winning winning solves everything as does a good quarterback winning solves everything and then a, a good quarterback solves ever or leads to wins so if you have a good quarterback you're going to win more games and if you're winning more games you're going to rank more highly. The the Dolphins by the way, they were number 1. They didn't Dude, this is actually crazy. I'm looking at their full rankings now. Outside of head coach, which was still an A by the way, they didn't rank lower than 3rd in any single category. That's absurd. JC Treader even said who's the president of the union. He said them and the Vikings were like I think the Vikings were like that too or they're like in their yeah. own tier. That is wild. Like uh, you could either around. win in South Beach or that's what I was going to say in Florham Park, New Jersey. Okay, <laughs> I do wonder how much of that is people just players just being happy that they're in Miami. <laughs> Although I yeah. guess Minneapolis is, you know, it's not like that's not. It's Be not careful, you might upset some people up in there. I don't think it's Minneapolis, but I'm a fan from Culver's. In terms of ideal places that people want to live, usually people aren't going to say Minneapolis. I'm sure it's a wonderful city with great people, but I feel that's not what people are going to say. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't have anything else to say about the report cards. Wasn't the Steelers deal. in the bottom five. That was surprising. They were. Too. The Steelers were very low, and they're like a very well-respected organization. Blue so blood. Very, you know the Loonies, the Steelers, the standards, the standard. Yeah. Like Tomlin, yeah, Tomlin was ranked. I think Tomlin was ranked high, uh, which doesn't surprise me. But yeah, probably. You know how are the Roonies still? Aren't they? I think it's the Sun now, right? It's not like some ninety-year-old cheapskate. Yeah, uh, it's, like that. Players hate like when the facilities aren't good. I think is one of the big. Like stuff yes. that we don't think as fans is huge, but like 
like I remember too the the Bucks had like a MRSA outbreak and that was like a big thing for them like and people didn't play for the Bucks for a while like I think uh, those I facilities wonder, like that can make or break you. I wonder if the same uh, cafeteria people that they had when they made the Denzel Mims bad salmon are still there. Uh, the infamous salmon that gave Denzel Mims food poisoning and derailed his entire career. That's that the infamous salmon. I wonder if it's the same cafeteria people. Well, now, now he's recovered and obviously getting a thousand yards wherever he goes. So yeah, that's, I saw someone on Twitter say today that, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling is Denzel Mims. If Denzel Mims never ate the bad salmon. (laughs) That would have at least provided some value as a second round pick. Right, I don't think that's a bad take by any means at, at least, all. I mean, at least Marquez Valdez Scantling at least had some pretty good plays. Sure, but again, that's another reason why I don't really particularly want MVS. Um, but anyway, the Jets, the Jets need to fix their offensive line, Mike. That's, yes, let's actually talk some football on this football yeah. podcast. Let's, let's stop talking drama. Let's stop talking coaching staff malpractice. Whatever you want to talk. Let's talk about how the Jets are going to fix their offensive line. The, the lunch lady from the Simpsons just like slapping a thing of baked beans on a tin tray, yeah, like Howard Johnson or something. We don't need to discuss that. We don't need to talk about that. We want to talk about the offensive line because it's the biggest priority for the offseason. We've talked about it a lot, obviously. It's it's very clear that the Jets need to fix their O-line, and it is even more clear after the team decided to release Lakin Tomlinson on Monday night. Uh, I was a little surprised that they did this. I was almost stunned, honestly. I, I wasn't stunned, but I was surprised they did it. I think it's the correct move, and I'm glad that they did it. I just think they would. I didn't think they would do it. I think it shows that they learned from mistakes that they made last year because there were a few guys. I mean, Carl Lawson being number one, obvious, and I was wrong about this in hindsight, of course, but that's somebody you could have saved 15 million by cutting, and they did not do it. Uh, there were a couple of players they probably should have cut bait with last offseason. They didn't because they were like, you know, I, whatever their excuses were, whatever good locker room guy, whatever. Lincoln Tomlinson kind of fit in that same boat. Durable dude has played th- all 34 games during his time with the Jets. Extremely well-liked and well-respected leader in that locker room. Unfortunately, he was bad. He was a bad football player. He did not live up to his contract by any means. He led all guards this past season with 51 pressures allowed. I'm pretty sure it was only one other guard that allowed more than 41 pressures, and he allowed 51. Uh, he was very bad. And obviously a product of that is he played all 17 games. Sure, he was healthy. But if you're healthy, it doesn't like being healthy doesn't matter if you're not good. Uh, and unfortunately, he was just not good. They ate a good amount of dead cap by releasing him, but they did save over $8 million in the process. Also, that means that they now have to fill essentially three offensive line positions this offseason. They need realistically three new, new starters. The only guys that are penciled into starting roles next year are Joe Tittman and Elijah Vera Tucker, who is, of course, coming off a torn Achilles and has not played more than seven games in a season since his rookie year. So, And they don't even know what position he's going to play. And they don't know what position he's going to play. So. I have I don't even my, know position Tipman's going to play. He could play center or guard. 100%. And I think that kind of plays into some of the stuff that I'm going to say. But I, I have my whole what I want the Jets to do, like my step-by-step game plan for how I should fix it. But I want to hear what you have to say first, Mike, if you, if you have your stuff ready. How well, are you going to fix the Jets' offensive line? You are given an opportunity. You are Joe Douglas. What are you doing? Well, first on Lakin, I'm actually I, I want to say stunned because I held out hope on Lakin for probably longer than most, mm-hmm. um, just because he was a Pro Bowler at San Francisco, and even in the years when he wasn't a Pro Bowler, he was really good. Now, obviously, yeah. we always make a point of saying when you play a long, bad offensive line, even if you're good, sometimes you give up. Like Joe Thomas with the Browns would sometimes give up some sacks. They're like, well, he's really good, but everybody else is not. Like, so that I'd always say, you know what? Like, I still think it's in there. Like, as he was good in San Francisco, it's the same scheme, same coaches. Like, there's no way he just forgot. And maybe he did. Or maybe it's just age. I think he's 32 now. Like, maybe Trent Williams is that good. Maybe Trent Williams is that good, where he's basically two offensive linemen making yeah. up for or one and a half who can make up for Lake and Tomlinson. I think that's pretty much confirmed now. But, I was just stunned because I didn't think the Jets in such a make-or-break year would willingly say we need to get at minimum three new starters and then maybe shift the other two we have around. Yeah, Because if you look at left tackle right now, Mekhi Becton's not coming back. That's wide open. Lincoln Tomlinson's gone. Left guard's wide open. Tipman is your center, yeah, but if you find a really good center in the draft or free agency, you don't want to maybe kick him to guard where he was also good. Vera Tucker was a guard, then he's a tackle, then he's left side, right side, like – he could be a right tackle. He could be a right guard. I don't know where Vera Tucker is going to be. He could be left tackle. There's a non-zero chance Elijah Vera Tucker is your week one starting left tackle. I don't think that happens. But it's Joe Douglas specifically said today when he was talking at his press conference that ABT gives them versatility at four different positions. 
that's left, left. He's not talking center. He's talking left tackle. So that's at least a possibility. I don't think it's the likely option, but it's possible. So if I had my druthers, uh, which I feel bad for Carter Warren too, because I liked him as a prospect. And I feel like even though he has a good chance to like, normally a fourth round pick could end up being maybe a spot starter in year two kind of thing. That's kind of a natural progression that a lot of guys can make. I feel sad for him because it really doesn't feel like he has a legitimate chance uh, to start this year. Nor should he. Like, I don't I don't think he should. I don't think – Well, then you burned a fourth-round pick on a guy who's, you know – No, you're just not relying on a guy who was – you know, look, I, I like Carter Warren. I hope he could be good, but he wasn't good last year. Like, he was a rookie. He was a rookie who missed most of the summer. Like, you obviously have to project development with him, but there was a lot of Carter Warren discourse on Twitter this week. Like, I have zero desire to see him as a starting player in 2024, or at least somebody that you are going into the year relying on him or at least asking him to compete for a starting job. I don't think he showed anything last year that shows me he's ready for that step. I don't even think he should be your third tackle. I think he should be your fourth tackle at best right now, given what, what given what we've seen from him already. And that that's what it is. That's the product of being on a team that's trying to win for win a Super Bowl. The tough part is I think you're going to probably need to sign two veteran linemen yes. uh, in free agency. And there are guys out there, guard specifically. This is a good guard class in free agency. It is. Uh, Kevin Zeitler. Uh, he could leave Baltimore because they had a chance to sign a contract with him like they did with Nelson Aguilar. They didn't. So he's out there. Ronnie Stanley could also be a cap casualty. Watch that. But Zeitler's a good fit. Jonah Jackson in Detroit. Like There's a lot of good guards out there specifically. I think you need one. I think that'll at least satisfy me. If you get one, maybe put him at right guard. I think AVT, in my opinion, is probably going to be your right tackle. And that might complicate the draft. Because, of course, Taliesi Fuaga is the guy that gets mocked to the Jets a lot, and he's like a pure right tackle. So you may have to move AVT again if you take Fuaga. So that's that's tough. But if I could just, like, snap my fingers and get the ideal offensive line, I think it's AVT at right tackle, Tipman at center, some veteran at right guard. Uh, I don't know who it is, but some veteran. Uh, and I think, honestly, you may need to spend your third-round pick or get a second veteran to be your left guard. Because I don't want to start two rookies on my left side of Aaron Rodgers. Agreed. If you want to get a guy like a Joe Alt or an Olu Fashanu to be your franchise left tackle, no qualms with that. I actually am supportive of that, even though Alt might be a little too rich for the Jets. Fashanu wasn't as good this year with Penn State as he was last year. One of those two, if they last to 10, I feel like you got to take him. Maybe a Mary's Mimsby blows up the combine, but I feel like those two, if I had, could just wave a magic wand – one of them's the left tackle. You get two new guards, and then Tipman and Vera Tucker, and then offensive line is set. And you don't have to pay top dollar necessarily in that. Like, I don't need the Great Wall of Dallas. Like, yeah. I don't want you to just neglect the receivers or the secondary because you built this. You know, you get everybody at offensive line. You could have maybe an okay left guard or an okay right guard, but you need to get the tackle sorted out first. And I think the best plan is AVT right tackle, Fashanu Alt left tackle. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. Uh, I do think the Jets will sign two veteran offensive linemen in free agency. I don't think it'd be wise at all to go into the draft needing to fill two holes as a you know two starting holes on the offensive line. Uh, even one is a lot to ask because you're already pigeonholing yourself. So here's my game plan, Mike. I wrote this down and it's a few steps. This is if I was Joe Douglas. Here's what I would try to do to fix this Jets offensive line. And this is, I think, a pretty uh, I don't want to say comprehensive, but it's it is like it is a good plan, and I think you are investing a lot. But you of course, it's a good plan. I thought of it <laughs> exactly. But you need to invest a lot. Like that's you need to invest a lot in the offensive line. First thing I'm doing is I'm planning to move Elijah Vera Tucker to tackle. Uh, the expectation is probably right tackle, but leaving open the idea that it could, in some world, be left tackle. I'm going to throw. Is that it out based there. on draft position? Like, is it? Uh, yes. We get Fashano sticks at right tackle. Fuaga he goes to the left. Sure. I, I'm not deciding where ABT is playing until after the draft. That's when I make my decision to see. And that, that's fine. I have no issue. The Jets basically said that today. They're also not deciding on his fifth-year option. I don't hate that they're not doing that yet. Wait and see how hurt all the time. Out. How could you? Right. Wait and see how stuff plays out. See how he's prog- progressing in his recovery from the Achilles injury. I don't have any issue with that. They got to make a decision by May. Uh, but you can wait until after free agency, maybe even after the draft if you want to. So I have no issue with that. But I'm I am planning internally to move ABT to tackle and keep him there because I, I think he held his own there. And like you said, this is a really, really good guard class. Like it, this is one of the best guard classes that I can remember in recent years because it's not just like – I mean, not that Kevin Zeitler, you know, he's, he's older, but he's still really good. But it's not just older guys like a Zeitler. There are a lot of like – 
young guards looking for second contracts who are good players, like who are genuinely good players. Robert Hunt from Miami, Mike Onwenu, who's, you know, he's a tackle guard. He could play both. He played right tackle mostly last year, played guard the year before with the Patriots. He's the Mackay Becton of guards, I think is a good way to put him. <laughs> Why? Why? He hasn't been hurt, has he? Has he's he been big. Oh, yeah, he's but he hasn't, had the injury. he hasn't had the injury issues. My favorite Onwenu story, he was at the Shrine Bowl. I have like a side profile piece of Mike Onwenu because I was like okay. taking a picture of him for Twitter and – that's a, that's a big dude. That's a big lad. Yeah, he's a big dude. But he has not <laughs> the same injury history that Becton does. He's expected to be maybe the most coveted offensive lineman on the market. One of them for sure because uh, he's been very good. He has the versatility to play guard and tackle. Another guy, Kevin Dotson, former Steeler who went to the Rams last year and was PFF's second highest graded guard in football. Uh, another guy looking for his second contract. There's also, I mean, if we're talking non-guards, a guy like Tyler Biotish coming from Dallas – is extremely intriguing to me. If you want to sign him and move Tippmann to guard, all for that. Biotish was a pro bowler last year, I believe. Uh, good player in that Dallas offensive line. Absolutely all for if, if you can have, because Biotish probably will be a little cheaper than somebody like Onwenu or even like a, a Hunt. Uh, so I would be all for that. There's a lot, a lot of guys who I think they are, are you know, in the market for it, that they can, that they can sign because it's, it's a very good guard class. So I say, Target one of those guys, sign one of those guys that I just said. That's number one. Number two, you have to sign another guard. You have to sign another veteran offensive lineman. Unfortunately, you probably can't sign two guys in that same tier because that's going to be a lot of money. So you sign a guy in like the middle tier, the middle middle to lower tier, somebody who you think you can get for a pretty affordable contract that you can hit on and be a at least average starter. A couple of guys I have in that tier. Aaron Brewer makes a ton of sense from the Titans. Uh, he I was think, a center, though, so you'd have to move him, right? He was a center. He also has played guard, though, so he can play both. He played guard earlier in his career. He started at center last year. He can do both. Whether you want him at center or you want Tippmann at center, that's fine. Both of them can do both. I don't have any issues with that. Brewer uh, comes from the Titans, has a lot of experience with this Titans coaching staff, which a lot of them are now in the Jets. And the same Titans coaching staff. Yeah, of course he crossed paths with Keith, Car- Keith Carter. I think of all the offensive linemen. So that means he's not coming to the Jets because every lineman hates him. So. I know. I, well, it's weird. We say that, but also look at who – I mean, it, obviously Keith Carter just – they had one offseason with him, but they went out and they brought in Roger Saffold, Dennis Kelly, and Xavier Newman, all three of which are offensive linemen who were with – uh, who are with Keith Carter in Tennessee. So and Newman was the most productive out of them. Imagine that. He's the only one who played. He's the only yeah. one who actually played. Well, uh, Saffold doesn't even exist. He's not a real yeah, person. I, and I'm not sure Dennis Kelly does. I think Dennis Kelly was elevated or was promoted to the agriculture for like a game, and that was it. Um, so, yeah. So there's already a track record with them bringing over former Titans offensive linemen. I would not be surprised if Brewer is a target for the Jets. And I'm fine with that as him, you know, with him as like a mid-tier target. He should not be your biggest offensive line addition you make, but I'm cool with him as a mid-tier target. Other guys I put in that tier, Greg Van Roten. I'm just nah. going to throw it out there. He was nah. really good last year with the Raiders. If you want to bring him I'm, back, I'm going to cut your camera really quick. I'm just saying, like, I know he was bad with the Jets, and I know he is partially responsible for Mackay Becton's career derailing, but he was really good last year. So, as a mid tier option, if he, if you could sign Greg Randroten for like one year, four million, sure. If, you, if you want a guy who's cheap like that, John Simpson in Baltimore could be a John good John Simpson in Baltimore is another guy who, who was, you know, he was not very good with the Raiders, was not a very good player with them, goes to Baltimore and was a pretty solid starting guard last year for the Ravens. I think he'd let all guards in penalties though, I believe. So, well, Donovan Smith's also interested in the Jets too. So there's that. Uh, if we're talking penalties, uh, he's going to go of- after Hardman, just read him the riot act in Kansas city about the Jets. Okay. A couple other guys that I put in that tier, uh, a, a popular trade deadline candidate, Ezra Cleveland, is a free agent. Again, not my like ideal starting guard, but it's a low-tier guy. He's still young. You could probably get him for pretty cheap. And another guy, Damian Lewis from Seattle. Uh, also a guy who's been very durable for the most part throughout his career. Uh, his, his looking for a second contract is still pretty young, but he's not going to be in the same tier as like an Unwenu, a Hunt, even a Dotson who's coming off a career year. Uh, I think you sign one of the top guys and you sign a mid-tier guy, both of them are probably going to be interior guys unless you sign Mike. The only way ABT I'm not moving to tackle is if you sign Mike Onwenu, and then he could probably play right tackle. But I think his market is going to be so much that I don't know if they can realistically compete with that and fill their other holes. So that's that's my plan there. You go into the draft and you draft your left tackle. Now, that being said, it's no guarantee that you are going to be able to draft a left tackle at 10. 
I understand that. So what I would love is if the Jets also were like, you know what? Hey, David Bakhtiari, you were released. You are gonna. You you don't have much of a market. You want to sign in the Jets for one year, two million? Play with your buddy Aaron Rodgers. You're not guaranteed a starting job, but you are our left tackle right now, and you can compete with whoever we draft potentially at number ten. You have now a contingency plan at left tackle, so that you don't. You're not forcing yourself to have to draft a left tackle at ten. You can go into the year with Bakhtiari maybe competing with whoever for a starting job. Maybe not. Maybe not the tenth overall pick. You have at least some sort of contingency plan. Uh, I think that is probably the best plan that the Jets can have. Uh, maybe you also add another guy like a, a Yash Nyman or whoever, right? Like another swing tackle, or you add some extra guard depth. You re-sign Connor McGovern. I would love that. That is how I would fix the Jets' offensive line. That is my plan. Mike, do you have any objections with my plan? I mean, I just don't like Bakhtiari. Just the idea, again, of Aaron Rodgers' declining buddy, like – but I, I think it's this it, one will be different. None of the other ones work, but this one but will work. The thing is, you're not you're hopefully not relying on him. Like I'm okay and with we hopefully we're relying on Randall Cobb. Sure, but I sure I agree, and they shouldn't have. But that's I mean that ultimately well, why wouldn't they do it? I guess uh, why wouldn't they do it again? I guess. Do you think box? Okay, well I have I have an issue if they sign Bakhtiari and guarantee him the starting left tackle job. I am saying in my fictional plan that that is not what happens. <laughs> I, I mean that's that'd be fine if it works, but you know let let's say because again he's a rookie. There's going to be rookie struggles in camp. Sure. You don't think Hackett and Rogers are going to get together and be like, yeah, we should probably start David over Olu Fashano or whoever. And if he starts and plays well, cool. I mean the issue with Bakhtiari isn't performance; it's it's health. Like that's the issue with him. If he's on the field, I, I, he's played well when he's been on the field. Right, like, it's just, I've he's never on the field. Yeah, there's been no decline in his play. Now that could be coming at this point. He's, you know, he has half a knee left, but like, I, there's been no decline in his play in his in his play on the field. So when he's healthy, that's fine. Uh, I just think it's it's smart to have that contingency plan going into the draft because you can't just pigeonhole yourself into being like we have to draft the tackle at ten. You can't do that. Like you, well, just, you can always trade down too. Like there are left left tackles, quote sure. unquote. And this is a deep ass tackle draft too. Right. Like well, let, I, let's I, say Fashanu and Alt. Like there are there, and then Fuaga and Latham Latham. I'm just not sure what you're thinking. I think it's Latham, JC Latham. JC Latham is a right tackle. Like, if you don't want to get either of them, why not just try and go down maybe into the 20s and then say, hey, we'll take a a Tyler Guyton or somebody like that, or we'll take a Arizona. a Mary Smims or Jordan Morgan Troy, or something Troy, like Fata- Troy Fatano as well. Wasn't he a left tackle at Washington? He is, but I think some people think he might kick inside, but like, yeah, right. I guess maybe that'd be a good pick then because you could try him at both. But Tony and chat says Bakhtiar would get more than two million if he's released by the Packers. One, I mean, he's definitely going to be released by the Packers. That's for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's going to have a huge market. He's played one game in two of the last three seasons. He has half a knee left. That also being said, you don't think he'd take it. And he's 32. He's 32. He's played in one game two of the last three seasons. I'm not saying his market value is $2 million. I'm saying to sign with the Jets and do them a favor and play with Aaron Rodgers, I could see a scenario where he takes $2 million. Absolutely. Like I, I'm saying he takes $2 million instead of a one-year $3 million deal with another sure. contender. Or maybe it's incentives. Maybe it's one year he counts $2 million against the cap and he can go up to like $8 million in incentives. Something like that. You could make it work. You could absolutely get David Bakhtiari for a very small cap hit to play for the Jets. I'm sure he would be all for that. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers would be all for that. I, I don't think that would be an issue. I don't, I, I don't foresee that being an issue. It's not that Bakhtiari is worth $2 million. That's not what I'm saying. I think there are ways you can get his cap it to be worth that and for him to take a discount to play with his buddy Aaron Rodgers. I think that that's totally feasible. And with that, I think we're uh, I think we're ready to wrap up here. Uh, thank you for tuning into the Jet Press podcast. Uh, this was a fun episode. Uh, kind of <laughs> got a little wild early on because Mikol Hardman decided to come out with all piss and vinegar and – defecate on the new york jets for no reason Ew. because he won a super bowl and by like he i think he's talked more about the jets than the chiefs since he won the super bowl that's not true you gotta listen to those podcasts he, oh, he's talking about the chiefs most of the time he just the the stuff that gets aggregated is the stuff he's saying about the jets yeah i'm gonna defend, I, I'm gonna defend Miko harman i don't no, think not i'm gonna you want me to go into the rant again i could do that no, no, no. We just rewind. We people, people, people keep in watch. mind. I liked the signing more than you did when it happened. I was a big. Maybe that's why I feel betrayed. You, you that feel was big on me, Cole. I do find it really funny, really quick, that I've been very vocal against not wanting MVS this offseason, Marquez Valdez Scantling, and it's been a very different reaction from Jets fans to when I said I didn't want Alan Lazard. Because when I said I didn't want Alan Lazard, people were like, "Oh, you? What are you talking about? He's really good. He's better than Corey Davis. All this stuff." 
no one's saying that now about Marquez Valdez Like I think Jeff's I mean, I, again, I was I was a big Lazard supporter too. That the, the fall off was was shocking. It was shock. I agree. It, nobody I, could have expected that. It, him and Tomlinson are both like in the same boat of like I can't believe they were as bad as they were with the Jets. Uh, Tomlinson at least like, I feel like Tomlinson at least started off okay and then gradually like you're like all right he'll get better though right and then he just kept going down and down and down like Lazar never even took off. Yeah, man. But uh, yeah, wild day. So, so, so is so is life with the Jets. It has been a wild day, and I'm very interested to see if anything else comes about those leaked stuff, the, the all the stuff with Kenny Yaboa and Sauce Gardner, because that is that is the craziest shit to me, and I find that so funny and hilarious. Jets own the offseason, man. This is our time. This is our time, whether it's good or bad. They're always in the news in the offseason. They just can't keep us out of their mouths. So yep. thank you for watching <laughs> on YouTube. Uh, we'll be back next Wednesday as usual. Uh, we're going to really ramp up the draft stuff with that approaching. Uh, thank you and so much you. for tuning in. As always, YouTube at the Jet Press. Likes on the stream are very big. Uh, if you go to like Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast, good reviews on the podcast servers. That really helps get us up those charts. Justin, uh, do you have anything else to say now that my uh, my screed against House Hardman is? I, we late. are we are quickly approaching free agency, my friend. We have yes. one week. Basically, our next week's show is our last show before free agency, which that's crazy because legal hmm. tampering starts on the eleventh. Next week's show is the sixth, so I don't know what we're gonna do on the thirteenth. We'll have to see if we're gonna do a show that day because that is the literal start of free agency. In fact, it starts at, I believe four p.m. Um, so we'll, we'll have to discuss that. I don't know if we're going to do a show then. But anyway, until then, until all the next Jets craziness comes out, thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at ByMikeLuciano. Follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Free. Follow Jet Press on the Jet Press. Download Jet Press Podcast wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube, TikTok. Subscribe, like. Hit that notification bell. You guys know what to do. God, I'm going through that so quick. I... Dude, that was, that was great. Uh, we stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you all for listening to Jet Press Podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. We will see you guys next week. See you guys next week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.